the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back at 7.05, final hour of the show. Don't forget Backbone Radio, historic Backbone Radio, tomorrow night with the good doctor, Dr. Matt Dunn, 4 to 7 p.m. with more of the good stuff. And I don't know if you were listening to the corrupt-coordinated, Democrat-controlled CBS media machine during our news break at the top of the hour, but wasn't it a relief to hear creepy, sleepy showers with daughter Joe Biden reassuring Benjamin Netanyahu that he himself, creepy and sleepy, demented and all, all three of them, will be in touch. They'll have the back of Israel. He'll be in touch directly, personally, with Benjamin Netanyahu. What what a terror. I mean, Israel is literally on its own right now. And uh, you know if Donald Trump had properly acceded to his second term that the world would not be in this whole bunch of hell. Not a chance. Remember how quickly he reacted in Syria, the mother of all bombs? Remember how many weeks it took? What was it, six weeks or less? I forget now, to wipe out uh, the Taliban? It, It just unbelievable what it's like how different it can be when you have competence and good ideas and put America first. We've got to get back there again. All right, we are going to turn inward to national politics. Before we do, I just want you to remember that if, God forbid, if the health and ongoing encroaching dementia of creepy, sleepy Joe Biden just gets too bad, and I'm confident they'll pull him Probably around the time of the Democrat National Convention, they'll parachute Michelle Obama in, and that will be the candidate for two or three months in the run-up to the November 2024 election. But in the meantime, if Joe Biden accidentally falls up the stairs one more time and hits his head on Air Force One, I know they're bringing him in the back way now, fewer stairs, I understand, but if he hurts himself, we've always got this. Popular, popular, popular. We just need to let everybody know who brought it to them. <laughs> Receipts. Amen. God That's almighty. doable. <laughs> She's talking about Bidenomics. Popular, popular, popular. All right, let's move to our next topic, which happens to be and was actually the almost the sole topic of the promotion for this show that ran earlier this week, the usurping of the Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the Matt Gates-charged effort to remove him, and all of the turmoil that that has, called, has caused among the soft, underbellied Republicans and, and Newt Gingrich and others who are just aghast. Newt Gingrich literally said that Matt Gates as a traitor should be removed from, you know, driven out of the caucus and removed from Congress. I mean, really? And for me, it was just bring it on. You don't keep your promises. 
You don't put America first. You sign off on massive spending bills. Instead of allowing the government to shut down and standing your ground, you extend for 45 more days. And so maybe you got to go, and it opens up the door for maybe a Jim Jordan. That is pretty cool. But uh, there's somebody who's been around a while. He's actually walked the hallowed halls of Congress, been forbidden, you know, to grace the White House door by Karl Rove. But um, he knows a little bit about the process and the people, and he's got a story to tell tonight. He's uh, always a fan favorite here on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, and a good friend of mine. His name is Tom Tancredo, and he joins us now. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Randy. Great to be with you. Nice to have you as well. And so what were your initial, before we get into history and the story that we brought you on to tell tonight, what were your thoughts when you, did you watch the vote as they were counting down and removing Kevin McCarthy? No, I did not. I don't, I haven't, you know, I don't know why I have this aversion to (laughs) watching any of this stuff. And Jack, my wife, she does watch it and she keeps me informed and she keeps saying, aren't you going to watch this? And I said, no, I don't think so. So when anyway, when, no, I'm I'm sorry to say I did I did not watch it, but was not terribly um, surprised. Of course, and it was an easy thing to to do is to gain you know get eight, eight votes to join with the Democrats and oust the guy. So it's almost a foregone conclusion. Which to me, that was a one of the things I I found odd about this thing is that Kevin McCarthy, although I did not support him initially. I mean, I, I thought he was pretty much of a squish. Um, turned out to be, in many respects, pretty a pretty hard line on a lot of issues, and I think needs some congratulatory uh, responses to what he has done um, in, in terms of moving some of the issues, moving some of the programs and issues that we care about as conservatives. But, um, so I, I must say that I thought it was, in a in a way, um, surprising that he would let himself fall into this situation because he's a smart, smart guy. I don't think anybody, you know, disagrees with that, and been around uh, quite a while and knows how the process works, and realizes that it's only going to take what it took, right? Just a few Republicans siding with all the Democrats, and he'd be gone. I mean. I did not know, first of all, that that was part of the deal that he made with the conservatives in order to get elected. I'll tell you right now, if that, and I say that meaning that, that one person could bring up this uh, the vote to oust him, and um, the if someone were to say to me today, uh, "How about you taking this?" <laughs> I mean never in a million years, but going to have, but, but if, if, if I were offered, I'd say, um, well, you'd have to get rid of that rule before I ever, ever contemplated it because it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. It would be continual, um, strife. Uh, you, you would hardly be able to get anything done. It seems to me, if you have this sort of Damocles hanging over your head, that only one, one member could bring this up and get it done when you have such a slim majority. So he knew that, but he agreed to it, and then let's we'll see what we see where it got him. Well, he had he had so, no choice. I mean, he he wasn't he wasn't getting the vote. He, he had to finally make that deal in order to become speaker. And yeah. and I, I 
I believe, worth it. I believe the reason that Gates took him out was because of the continuing resolution. It just continued everything. Yeah. It continued the Green New Deal. It continued the inflationary spending. It it uh, continued, you know, the election interference of Jack Smith. No effort at all to um, defund the salaries of these bureaucrats or these lawfare masters. Um, this delayed, prolonged, drawn-out effort to bring an impeachment. And then for some reason... You know, we finally get to an impeachment inquiry. We don't need an inquiry to have impeached Joe Biden on the southern border, on his failure to execute the laws, as is his charge. He doesn't get to decide which laws to enforce and which ones not to. And, you know, to me, there just wasn't the kind of defense that was needed. When you have the, the leader of the Republican Party under constant assault, you and the House control the power of the purse. Nothing, not one penny comes out unless you allow it to. And then McCarthy gets together with the Democrats to pass a clean, continuing resolution and maintain the status quo for another 45 days. I'm glad that uh, Gates followed through on his threat. I'm proud of him. Well, I, I guess I could say the same, except I, in a way, wish that we could have postponed it until the end of I mean, the next Congress, I mean, let's vote him out at the next Congress, because I don't know how I, I, I'm trying to assess the degree of of uh, damage that this may have done to the party and to our chances in the next election. It's hard to say, but my guess right now is it's not good. I mean, it was not a positive thing for those things. And, and maybe I'm wrong, because I truly haven't seen any polling. This is just my personal sort of gut feeling about the whole thing. And I just wonder if we lose the House as a result of this, um, have we really, I don't know, have we really gained anything in, in, in the long run? And, uh, and then, you know, there's, the other, there's another thing. Uh, Ken Buck voted for <laughs> I get it. Lauren Boebert for, voted against. Ken Buck voted yeah, for. So, for. so I got to tell you, I'm not sure about, no, about no, him. nothing politi- nothing political in those decisions. <laughs> no, no, no. I so we're we're talking with Congressman Tom Tancredo, and before we move into the this history lesson you're going to give us, you served five terms in Congress. Why do you think that this effort, more than a year away from the next election, would have any impact on whether we retain the House or not? Well. Because it it is going to be presented because you're not just remember, you're not just fighting Democrats in any election, national election, especially but anywhere, almost anywhere in the country. You're not just fighting them. You're fighting the media. Uh, and they are so powerful in conjunction with the Democrats that they set the narrative. They they create the image that is very difficult sometimes to overcome with just logic um, and or truth-telling. So it, it seems to me that it will be a constant battle, um, to tell you the truth, with them and the Democrats over whether or not Republicans can and should govern. Well, so, but but how know, how is that even, even if it wasn't this topic, even if there hadn't been a motion to vacate the chair, uh, the the media and the Democrats were going to just portray us as the you know extreme MAGA Republicans, right. the, the whole party, sure. the whole House. They're always going to have 
Uh, and the only thing we've got going for us in response to that is Joe Biden. I mean, <laughs> you know, God bless Joe Biden. Hang in there, buddy, because you are as big a, 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 um, a help to the Republicans as you are. There, uh, we we can no they, longer make decisions because the media is going, going to portray us a certain way. I mean, how many people even watch yeah, local yeah, news yeah, anymore? Yeah. How many people trust oh, the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine? People are getting their news and so many, and their information, so many and so much better uh, mechanisms and, and platforms. And if you watch, and if you watch uh, uh, Fox News and... Um, you know, what's the guy that goes out and interviews people on the, on the beaches and stuff like that? You know, they don't know beans from apple butter about yeah. what happened. Jesse Waters, who, used, Jesse Waters Jesse used to Waters, do that. Yeah, right, Jesse crazy. Waters, yeah. They still, he still has some guy, John or something that he says, he sends out. And, and they always ask, you know, like they've asked questions pertinent to this issue. And the answers are always hilariously stupid. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you're right there, and then there's hope. Uh, there's truly hope in that regard. I think um, people respond. I just, I, just, I just think, does it really help us? I don't know. I, I don't know. May, I hope maybe so. Maybe people think, hooray for them for t- having the guts to toss this guy. And, um, well, it, it depends we'll on who see. we replace him with. And uh, Yeah, that's and, right. That's true. Because there are certain things that could happen that will have to drive a news cycle, whether the media wants to cover it or not. I don't want to run out of time with you. Um, you had left me a message, and I called you back, and I'm going to learn about the details of this story right here along with the audience. But this uh, this replacing a Speaker of the House is not necessarily new in the modern era, is it? Not at all. And I, I must admit that as I watched this whole thing unfold, I, I, I thought back, of course, to my very first election and what happened subsequent to that. Um, and, uh, and, and it was that, that memory was, was pretty much prompted by the reaction of uh, Newt Gingrich, who has really condemned the whole thing and said that Matt Gates had to be drummed out, thrown into jail, hung by his thumbs and you know, all the rest of it. Because uh, here's what happened. I got elected in 1998, okay, and and the night of the election, um, I get a call from the Speaker of the House, Newt uh, Gingrich, and says, he says, um, Congressman, I'm just kind of, you know calling to congratulate you, um, what a wonderful campaign, blah blah blah. But it, I mean, I, when I first picked up the phone and it said, you know, hold for Newt Gingrich, I thought, oh my goodness, this is so exciting, you know. I mean, I just just gotten elected and. And uh, and here's a speaker calling to say congratulations. And so I was enthused about talk, taking the, the call. And we get about halfway through after he's you know been very laudatory in his praise and our campaign and all the rest of that stuff. He says, um, and of course I'm calling to make sure that that I can count on your vote, uh, you know, to be to continue as speaker. And I had to. I had to swallow hard, uh, and I said, uh, uh, "Well, Mr. Speaker, l- let me say first of all that I, you know, you did a tremendous job in bringing back a Republican majority after 40 years, and and you should be lauded for that. It was enormously uh, important, and God knows um, it was it was needed, and blah blah blah. And I tried to be as 
effusive in my praise for him for that as I could be. But I said, uh, no, you, you can't count on my vote. And there was this pause, and he said, why not? And I said, well, sir, uh, let's see, to begin with, we've lost a bunch of seats ever since you've been elected. Number two, I said, the thing that's really gotten me concerned is that you blinked uh, when you were confronting uh, Bill Clinton over the shutdown of the government. And we should have shut it down, I think. And you, you said, okay, we give in. And I must admit that it seems to me that at this point in time, it's imperative for us to show the people of this country just how how um, bureaucratized the federal government has become in that, um, in that few people would even know uh, that it was indeed shut down for a long time. And I said, so, and he said, well, you just don't understand how things work here, you know. You, you just see it from this very black and white kind of thing. And I said, well, you're right. I, I, I don't argue that. I don't know. I, I haven't set foot in Washington, D.C. Uh, as an elected official. And, uh, and so you're right. But I said, you asked me if you could count on my vote. And the answer to that is no. I might give it to you eventually when we see who else is involved and how things play out. But, but no, you can't count on it. Well. He was thoroughly uh, upset by that and was very nasty. And, and we hung up on a much different note than we started the conversation. And so, and I was, I must admit, I was really, I don't know how to explain it, but I, I, I was, I felt bad that I had to do that, that I did that and I had to do that. And, but that's the way I felt about him and the whole situation. There have been other things. But those were that those came to mind immediately. Well, as it turns out, um, I must not have. I certainly was not the only one to tell him that, because before we ever got to Washington for the inauguration, um, he quit <laughs> because he had been he could not get enough support to stay in as speaker. So and and believe me, you are speaker until. You are you are not until you are ousted or you quit. And so he was speaker. Now, we had not entered the next Congress. And so it wasn't as the whole thing wasn't as dramatic as this one, you know, having happened in the middle of the of the congressional term, I mean, of the uh, cycle. But it, nonetheless, he was the speaker and he was ousted because he did not have the votes to stay in and he recognized it. So what did he do? He quit. He quit. Not only, I mean, he quit Congress. Boom, he's gone. So when we got back there, we were voting for another speaker, and a guy by the name of Livingston got it, uh, who nobody remembers because he only had it for, I think, a short time, and he had to drop out because he was having an affair with his, I don't know, somebody on his staff or something. Anyway, so he was out. The next one came up with Hastert and and it turns out, I mean, he had his own problem. Nobody knew about it for 10 years or something because he was the speaker for as long as I was there. And uh, and everybody considered him. And and I remember so distinctly uh, the, the vote or in the caucus we were talking about. And, and they kept saying, we have to find somebody that is squeaky clean. We can't go through this anymore. We can't have anything like these problems. 
because, of course, Newt was having, I don't know if he was having an affair at the time, but or had just divorced his wife who had cancer. Cancer, it was yeah. A ter- terrible situation. Yeah. And so that may have played into it, you know, to a certain extent. But because I don't know why, I don't know the reasons that everybody uh, uh, voted again or didn't, were, were reluctant to, to support him again. But all I'm saying is that it happened. He was ousted. Uh, a new speaker was eventually elected, and we went on uh, with the, uh, the process of government. So it's not unique. Uh, as I say, it was not as um, dramatic, of course, uh, as doing it in the middle of a session. But it was nonetheless pretty su- uh, amazing to a lot of people, certainly, that the guy who brought us the uh, Republican victories uh, for after 40 years we would take over the House, much as a result of his uh, leadership and um uh, but then, and I and I and I would say a renewed enthusiasm for Republicans who are coming out and standing strongly on principle. The contract for America was America. Uh, yeah, there you go. It, it was all so very powerful. And then when you start to wheel and deal and 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 give in and and fold and and maybe people knew what Newt was doing behind the scenes as well. Um. Yeah, it could be certainly. I I, I don't know those that sure. But, but his, even his personal life and and all that. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, my wife certainly knew. Well, <laughs> she, I, she would remind me of it periodically. Go, that guy, you know what he did? No, but that was not what prompted. I have to. Admit I, to you. I, I just I, I just want to share. I know we're running really late here, and we got to get to a break. But I want to. Um, I just want to read to you what Matt Gates said to Kevin McCarthy um, to give him an opportunity to avoid a motion to vacate the chair. Here's what he said. Mr. Speaker, dust off your written January agreement. You have a copy. Reflect on the spirit of that agreement. Begin to comply. No continuing resolutions. Individual spending bills or bust. Votes on balanced budgets and term limits. Subpoenas for Hunter Biden and the members of the Biden family who've been grifting off this country and the impeachment of Joe Biden that he so richly deserves. Do these things or face a motion to vacate the chair. And I'll throw yeah. into that. He promised to release all the J- January 6th footage. Where the heck is that? He. Uh, yeah, no, see, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I re- remember that he made the promise. I, I never thought about what happened subsequent to that. And the, but and the issue, the one thing that I can absolutely laud him on, Gates, that is the, you know, the reflection on this um, uh, continuing resolution and let's close this. You know, I served for eight years in the Reagan administration. We closed the government two or three times. Now, it never lasted more than a few days, usually over the weekend or something. Everybody went, everybody got just a bit of a, uh, and to the extent that it lasted into the week, they all got a paid vacation. Sure. Um, and so I kept, I, I, you know, we didn't have email and whatever. So I kept faxing the White House from my little office in Denver here saying, Mr. President, please, please do not open the government because it'll take forever for people to find out that it's closed. And you, and, and you, you will see just how insignificant we, it really is in the lives of most people as long as, I mean, the Social Security check and that kind of thing kept going. But uh, we never should have opened. And that was really what was bugging me about 
about Gingrich. You know, he blinked and we opened and we shouldn't have. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. And, and McCarthy should have kept his word, yeah, plain and simple. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, yeah, that is true. That hey, is true. We, we are so late on the break that we've got to go there. Tom, will you stick around? We've got a caller who has a question for you. Oh, sure, you bet. All right, we'll run to the break at 728. You're listening to Wake Up with Randy Corcoran here on 710 KNUS. Back at 734, Tom Tancredo was kind enough to stick around. Callers who have questions for Tom, so that ought to be interesting. Tom, have you ever yes, been sir. have you ever been questioned before? <laughs> in, in much much more serious situations than this, I'll tell you. <laughs> for sure. Well, let's start with uh, Alan in Inglewood. Uh, Alan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh Tom, I I had a question sure. for you. Yeah, I was uh I was kind of curious how how you think we can approach politics a little differently as conservatives. We are we are facing uh, a party that is very doesn't play by the rules and what I'm seeing is we as conservatives cannot continue to play by the rules anymore. And I'm a little frustrated with what I hear from a lot of politicians or a lot of uh, a lot of people on the conservative side that say, "Oh, we just have to keep fighting the fight." Well, no, I think we have to do something and step it up because we're losing. We're losing the country, and I want yeah. to see what you had to say about that. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's a it's a great question. I wish I had a brilliant answer. Um, when, by the way, when you say we're facing a party that doesn't play by the rules, um, which one are you referring to? <laughs> uh, well, actually both. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I totally agree that that is the case, and that's what I kind of was joking about. But Look, I, I think we uh, need more people like Tom Tancredo, who stood up on principle and fought back and said things that made people uncomfortable and didn't waver and pointed out the importance of Western civilization. And, it, you know, if we want to continue in a free and prosperous and secure society, how we have to defend those values and those rights. And, Alan, I, I don't think we're losing it. I think we're waking people up and we're going to claw it back. Well, and I have to say that the um, it does, yet yeah, you can only take hope in the fact that we have, the pendulum has swung so far to the left that it that the, the nature's law would almost necessitate a movement the other way you know we we have to take hope in that possibility that we have seen that people have seen how difficult and how how bad their lives are under liberal rule and, and so so one of the things that I, I must find, I, I must say, I, I found, I, I guess, um, hopeful in the last several elections, even here in Colorado, although we lost over and over again in the uh, in the general in the House of Representatives, the state uh, state Senate and governors, we won on several other issues almost all the time. And they were almost always fiscal. You know, and um and that tells you that there is a, a an opening there. There there is something that we can get a lot of independents and and even some Democrats to agree on. 
and that is a, a greater degree of fiscal responsibility, less taxes. Um, that's why I'm hoping HHH, excuse me, HH uh, fails, because most people will, will see that it is indeed a huge tax increase, even though it is. And if that, there's one way to tell whether we're making progress. Can we beat this with half a million, millions of dollars eventually will be spent in its defense by the teachers union and by outside forces? And we have very little money, but we have the ability to educate as much as we can through, you know, I mean, I write as much as I write to and everything that published me about this. And um, if we beat that, take hope from that. Take hope, because that means that we can educate the electorate, which is almost an impossible task. But um, if we lose on that, then I don't know where we go from there, I must admit to you. But it is sort of a a bellwether thing. Um, And and so watch how that plays out and do your best, best to talk about where we are, what is happening to us, what is our alternative in every way that you can. You know, God doesn't. Tom, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna interrupt just because we got okay. one more call or question and we're running out of time. No, okay. So, Alan, right. thank just, you very just much. Try try your best, Alan. That's all God expects. Try your best. Let's get to Dan and Alan. Don't forget that um, uh, it each and every one of us has to find that avenue, that pathway where we can advance the message and push back on the yeah. evil. And yeah. uh, you know, we can't just. What are you doing? What's the other person doing? We all got to to not only involve ourselves, but then multiply our efforts by bringing other people on. And uh, and I just know that we can do it. Dan in Denver, welcome. Hi, uh, Randy. Thank you for taking my call. Hi, Tom. Thank. Uh, nice to hear your voice again. And Alan from well, Englewood. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, the previous caller, Alan from Englewood. Yes. What can we do? Um, I am about three years younger than. Um, Randy, I believe. I voted for Ronald Reagan in 80 and 84 uh, when I turned 18 and 80. Um, and probably during his first term at some point, yeah, before 84, it came, I hit the realization because I, you know, okay, I can vote, boom, what's going on here? And uh, I, my dad, uh, I said, so why aren't we changing things? And my dad explained, well, there's a lot of what we now call rhino squishy Republicans and all. And I said, well, what, what's that? I mean, you know, and I would talk to different people, coworkers and stuff. And they, oh, yeah, that's good. And they look at me sideways like, what? And it's just a, what we're seeing here with Matt Gates is a process of evolution of the conservative movement. Ronald Reagan, remember, conservatism had been out of America since, um, uh, 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 who, darn it, I'm blanking on the name of the president who uh, preceded FDR, uh, but uh, really Calvin Coolidge in 1920. Uh, but, I mean, conservatism had been out of American life for about 60 years, the culture. I mean, it was all FDR. It was all the left, you know. I mean, and so Ronald Reagan, what he did was reintroduce America to conservative principles and by his winning two times showed us, oh, wow, that's something to, that is maybe it is. Uh, I mean, it can be done, number one. Number two, it is something that is uh, maybe it's uh, halfway. Uh, this is 1982-84. Maybe it is some way, you know, halfway uh, legitimate. With passage of time, and we took control of Congress in 94, uh, 10 years after beginning of Reagan's second term, um, people, well, that was brought about because people saw 
Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We want more than Dan, this. We had eight years. Dan, I, I hate to so, jump. I hate to jump on you, man. But we've got limited yeah. time. Do you want, do you want to get to a question for Tom? Well, yeah, I just well, okay, yeah, I do want to ask Tom. Uh, so, like I say, uh, this is a progression that we the conservative movement has come to at this point. And uh, looking at it, having been in uh, D.C., how how long do you think it'll be before we can turn around? Because I absolutely agree, we can turn it around. That's why the left is fighting so hard. This is not a done deal. This country is not dead and buried. Oh no, no, no. If it were, they wouldn't be acting like they are. They're fighting for their lives. But how long do you, in your estimation? How long do you think we have to, um, it'll be before it'll turn, we can turn it around? Thank you, Dan. Go ahead, Tom, yeah. answer the question. Uh, I, here's the thing. Remember why Reagan won. It wasn't because he he was um, the the champion of conservative principles and 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 articulated them as, as well as he did. That is not why he won. He won because of what Jimmy Carter did to the economy. It was as as Clinton always would say, it's the economy, stupid. And and I take and I say to what I said to the last caller, the the economic issues seem to me to be our their Achilles heel, and our uh, um, the best prospects for us to reclaim the control of government if we offer a true alternative. That's that's all that has to happen. Because once he uh, Reagan got in, and once he could get his policies adopted and remember his first two years he was even deeper underwater than than uh, biden uh, was uh, recently so it, it, it only changed when the economic system in the country changed and we began to see the benefits of capitalism and of conservative thought so it is the economy that's to me the 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 pivotal thing um, and, you know, that isn't something we have total control over, but we have to show people that we can change that and make their lives better. Well, and, Tom, and I believe we can. Tom, you know, we had four years of an escalating economy near energy independence, uh, actual real wages going up with low yeah. interest rates and, yeah. and increasing property prices. So it's it's not and it. You know, but he was no Ronald uh, Reagan. No, of course not. No, he wasn't the communicator in, in a different no, way. That was, was no different way. But but, but, but you're right. But that, Ronald that Reagan, true. Ronald Reagan wasn't facing a backstabbing deep state uh, who would uh, foment lies about Russia and collusion and right. all of that and kind of stuff. The, and have the media as their yeah. bullhorn. So I gotta. I just gotta say that on top, we you know everybody's feeling the economic pain. We have to remind them of that, but we also have to remind them about killing babies after birth. We have to remind them about cutting off children's body parts and giving them hormones and 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 keeping these major, massive, life-altering decisions from their parents and all of those kinds of things. It's a panoply of issues that we have to continue to remind people of. And as more and more parents see what's happening, as more and more just common-sense Americans, regardless of their political stripe, um, that's what the populist movement, the America First movement, is all about. And uh, I, I think it's think time to... I, think it's, I don't think we change direction. I don't believe we can change the, the direction of the country uh, on those issues. You are, God knows I would... I will shout them from the, the, the treetops and mountaintops, but but we will not win on them. It is just it is the economy. The economy will it, it's what we have to hope and pray brings us back into power. And then once we get there, uh, 
then move on those issues that you've just described. Um, but I don't think those are the ones that will motivate people to vote. And for, for and for Dan, if he's still listening, it was Herbert Hoover, I think, before Roosevelt, wasn't it, Tom? I mean, well, talk about the depression yeah, yeah. we were in. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, my friend. Well, we are way way late, and uh, we've kept you up late. I know you're, you know, an early bird because you sleep so well <laughs> and then get up bright and early in the morning. But, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, hey, anyway, it's a great, great yeah. to talk to you, buddy. Yeah, likewise. Love you much. Talk all to right. you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, let's get straight to the break, and uh, we'll wrap up 303-696-1971 if you want to try and squeeze in the last segment of the, st- of the show. Stay with us here on 710 KNUS. Last song of the night was Ricky Valance from, night, I think that was another 1970 song, too. No, it was 1960. That's right. And we we blew that, didn't we? Because we had. Did you make that? Put that guitar solo in on that? Did you cut that up? Can you fire it up again, or is there no way to get it? Uh, let me get it back for you. All right. I just wanted everybody to hear. I just when I hear songs like this that touch my heart, I love for you to hear them too. Up, oh, that's the bump out. Live radio at its worst, but it's the end of the show. Wow, watching the magic he's doing. Here we go. That is cool. Click. Bang. Nice. Once upon a time, a boy knew misery. T'was not. All right. And I wanted to juxtapose that against a new song that has come out that is so, so cool. And what makes it cool is it has young black activists, young Hispanic activists. Um, I think even General Flynn sings on this song and it's it's nailing it. It is absolutely nailing it. I was having a great conversation with Blake about you know, priorities for politicians and for parties and for trying to win elections and stuff like that. And and one thing that I'm sensing and seeing and hearing and feeling is that more and more people are realizing that we're losing our freedom. You're getting more themes in in modern culture, in pop culture, pop culture music about freedom. And this song, laced with black and Latino activists, is all about freedom. From the shores of California All the way down to the Keys Only he will bring us closer When we fall to our knees And he'll lift us from the ground So that everyone can see That we never lost our freedom It's in his glory You can take all our money But you can't have our soul you can burn down our buildings and we'll still find a home. We will all stick together and we'll never surrender. We won't give up our freedom. 
Yeah, I could, uh, I, I could, it's not my music. I mean, obviously, especially over the last 18 weeks, my, the, the music that has called to me and that I've shared some of it with you here on the show has been totally different, totally different reasons. And that's not my kind of music either, but that's music that's getting into the popular culture and that's power. So, um, Blake and I could continue our conversation, but we don't have time to do it here on the air. But it was a it was a good one, and I always appreciate um, smart perspectives from you know people of many of a generation or more removed from where I sit and where I operate right now. I think since we're low on time, we'll end the show with kind of a scary story. I mean, I know it's October, so Halloween is coming up, and that's interesting. But right here in Colorado, this kind of just disgusting nonsense goes on. If, you, uh, if you're a Harley rider or a motorcyclist or a bicyclist and you ride down around, you know, Salida, up through Canyon City, over to Pueblo or over to Colorado Springs, you're on Highway 50 and you have passed through the town of Penrose. And just a day or a couple of days ago... In Penrose, police discovered 115 decaying human bodies in a green funeral home. A green funeral home. That's how it's advertised. That's its claim to fame. And it it gruesome. I mean, the police, I guess the smell seeped into a neglected building and or seeped out and, and people started to notice it. And the police are, it must be so disgusting, they're literally bringing in, you know, hazmat teams. It's unbelievable. And the claim to fame for this nursing home, this process, or this uh, funeral home, was that it was green. And somebody on Twitter said, yeah, Soylent Green, if you remember that movie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I won't spoil it to you, but it, I won't spoil it for you. But if you have seen it, you get the analogy right now. My God. Can you imagine if that was your loved one was just left to decay and rot in this place? There's got to be a special kind of hell for somebody who lets that happens. It lets that happen. And uh I mean they're they're literally bringing in hazmat teams that deal with, you know, plane crashes, the corners from outlying areas and even the FBI to try and deal with this thing. And apparently the owner, a guy named John Halliford, tried to conceal this illegal improper storage of corp- corpses by claiming he was doing taxidermy at the facility. Wow. And and that's right out of the letter of suspension that Colorado issued to him, the Colorado Office of Funeral Homes and Crematory Registration. Oh, man. We have a world to clean up, don't we? Well, man, thanks to everybody who came on the show today. It was just great with uh, State Representative Ken DeGraff and uh, 
J-Rod, the 12-year-old seventh grader. What a powerhouse he was. And I always loved my time with Tom Tancredo. I know it didn't take as many calls as we usually do, but I just got loaded up with guests, and I don't know, it was kind of worth it. But we're at the end of the show. I appreciate you being with us. Love to my dreamy girl in heaven, and as always, the best advice for those of us stuck between heaven and hell is right here. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.